0: podcast, I have a public speaker um, who helps a lot of people in professional circles to improve how they speak, whether it be in business circles or more interestingly for the Music Secrets Exposed podcast, all to do with musicians and how they present themselves on stage when it comes to this whole arena of performance. Now, before I introduce this gentleman, from my point of view as a music tutor of 20 years, what I have seen is a lot of musicians can play but when they have to speak, there might be a bit of a fallout. And nowadays, I think it's really important, and it always has been important actually, to be able to speak elegantly on stage, if you want to present yourself as a really well-rounded artist in the most professional way possible, and to make your audience, you know, laugh and, you know, gather that engagement and connection with your audience. So, Brendan, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Sylvia. So great to be on.
0: Okay, so Brendan, what is your YouTube channel and what can people find there?
1: Absolutely, Sylvia. So the YouTube channel is called Master Talk and we have hundreds of videos that are available for free to help people master the art of public speaking communication.
0: Yeah, and I would highly recommend anybody check it out if they're in the arena of business presenting and in my case, musicians trying to deal with concert stage situation. Now, with your own history concerning public speaking, where did it start and why did you get interested in this whole arena of public speaking?
1: Yeah, absolutely, Sylvia. So when I was in university, I used to do these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So while other guys my age were playing rugby or cricket or footy, I was doing presentations for fun. And that's how I learned how to speak. But then later on, what happened, Sylvia, was as new students would enter the program i kind of just waited and realized we didn't really have a communication coach so i just started training them myself for free and then a few years later i had the idea for master talk the youtube channel specifically because everything i was sharing with the students wasn't really available online like you hear advice like oh be yourself or get up on stage and i was like this doesn't really make that much sense yeah
0: how how do you be yeah. yourself when you're under kind of right. the strain of it you need a tool or two i bet you So
1: um,
0: when you look at this whole notion of presenting in my world, I would see it's vital to have those skills in business, because how many people do business meetings they have to present? We know all that you go into the arena of politics, you go into the arena of journalism and media and all of that. But then when you move into the arena of music and musicians, advanced musicians, even intermediate level musicians, and they're trying to deal with this concert stage scenario, What would be your advice to those people on the importance of learning how to be a good public speaker, how to present?
1: Absolutely. So what I always tell creative, Sylvia, and it builds on the foundation that you talked about, is your art is not enough. Your art will get you far in life. Your art will help you stand out, but it is not enough to make it to the top of your industry. And if that is the goal, we need to understand that promotion and distribution is just as important as the music itself the way you tell stories about the music where it comes from the culture the origin of how you came up with that piece also inspires people around you to follow you to follow your journey and your story and this is why it's so important i
0: seriously can't tell you that when you do a piece of music and then you study where that piece of music has come from or who created it or the surrounding circumstances, and then you translate that to somebody who's learning the piece, the impact is so much bigger and suddenly there is interest and fascination and there is all of this going on. Now, as a musician is climbing up the ranks of learning how to perform and reaching up to that concert stage level, What kind of tools would you suggest they get familiarized with to get them onto that stage?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely, Sylvia. So the piece I would start with first is I always like easy wins. So if I was a musician right now, I would go through all the pieces that I've created in my life and pick the one I'm the most passionate about. So let's start with that piece. Let's say it's piece number two. So if we take piece number two, the next piece is we want to try and build a presentation around just that one piece and focus on making that delivery perfect. And the way that I would practice specifically is write out the entire speech around, you know, what the piece is about, what inspired you to write it. But when you practice the delivery, only practice the edges. So practice the introduction 50 times, 30 times. Okay, this is my name. This is why it matters. And do it again and again. And again, until it's perfect, do the same thing with the conclusion and then tackle the middle. And that's an easy way and an effective way to practice your, your speech.
0: Some musicians I have seen on stage, and this is true for you know advanced, even professional musicians, some have such a fantastic rapport with their audience and some just don't. What creates that rapport that where the audience is so fascinated by what's going to happen next and so enthralled? Apart from the sound of music or whatever is happening in stage, what is it that connects the audience to the speaker?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, one analogy that I share in the music world is that I've always found that the best communicators are music conductors because they have so many things going on at the same time. They're managing the different lines and in the instruments. They're giving a show to the audience because they're at the centerpiece of usually an orchestra. And they have to manage the different energy levels to make sure that everyone's performing well. So the key here to music, if we want to play at that level, we want to stand out, it always goes back to our core message. Why are we sharing this piece? How does it impact the lives of other people? And the difference between people who are able to build that strong rapport with their audience versus the people who aren't is simply the willingness to have more conversations off the stage. As you talk to more people in your audience, you realize that what you do actually matters, right? A good example of this is Yo-Yo Ma, right? The cellist. He is always talking to his audience. So he understands that what he does is important. So that brings back into the stage that he's doing. Between you and me you know that cello's the best instrument, right? It is explosive. Hello, I'm Yo-Yo Mom. I'm here to answer your questions on Twitter. This is cello support. Let's see what you got. This is from At Stale Bread. Why do cellists play sweet number one in every movie? You mean... I think that movement represents the infinitude of what we have in the natural world. So you think of... Flow. leaves of trees on a fall day. We all can imagine something that is both constant and always changing. This music actually helps in films to actually set a tone for what that movie is trying to say. That music can help people get to a certain state of mind. At
0: Ashley... It sounds like what you're saying is the artist removes himself from the me I myself thinking and they're thinking about what they're doing with their audience in mind, that it's not about them on stage. It's about the audience and how they respond. Now, when it comes to when you're on the stage and you're looking at the audience and you're seeing maybe somebody in the audience is like just not interested in what you're doing, how do you turn that situation around where you've got to do something or you've got to tweak something? How do you turn such a situation around?
1: Absolutely. You know, the way I think about this, Sylvia, is let's worry about the bigger game. So I'm more about the post-mortem reflection. So after the, the, let's say it's your first time doing that, and then you go back and reflect, just ask yourself, what are two to three things that I can do next time to deliver the same exact performance experience a second time we know that in the music business because a lot of the times we're doing the same tour but in different cities so we're always doing the same pieces but for different audiences so for me it's always about what can i do to convince the worst person in the room of my thinking so but the key here and how we get that progress that we're looking for is just reflecting and saying okay for that person who wasn't paying attention what was it about the way that I communicated that led to that? But I would never do it in the moment. Because if you do it in the moment, it's too stressful because you're balancing too many things. But always do it post mortem after the experience is over.
0: And if somebody's on the concert stage and they suffer from extreme tension, I mean, it happens, you know, the, the stomach is rolling and there's little tremors happening in the body. What are your techniques for handling that?
1: Absolutely. So, so the way that I think about tremors and tension and fear, really, Sylvia, of communication showing up on stage is an analogy I like to use. Fear versus message. Let's take a boxing ring as an analogy. So one side of the ring is the fear and the other side of the ring is the message. And the piece I really want to communicate with everyone is the fear will never go away. And the reason I say this is even for somebody at my level of communication, if somebody called me tomorrow and said, I need you to coach Elon Musk, I would probably be scared. I'd be like, okay, I've got to coach Elon Musk. That's normal. The goal is not to remove our fear, but rather make sure that when your fear and your message meet in the middle, that your message wins the fight. It's not about removing the fear. It's about making sure that the message, the reason why you're doing something is more important than the fear, the insecurity, the tension that it comes with. And if you have that stronger message, you'll still have the tension, but you'll be able to push through it. So really
0: what you're saying is you have to understand what they say in marketing circles, the why, the why of why you're doing it. Why do you love music? Why are the pieces of music so important to you? Now, I've heard some complaints uh, uh, from musicians saying that I've practiced this piece forever. I'm actually bored of it now because I've had to bring it into this very high standard affair. And it's now what I, in inverted commas, call automatic pilot. I'm presenting the same piece of music from city to city, place to place. How do I keep interested in that piece of music? What can I do to make it impactful every time? Mm -hmm.
1: Fascinating question, Sylvia. So I've I've actually experienced this many times, because I've been talking about communication for like six years now. And every time I'm on a podcast, at this point, it's been hundreds, I always get asked the same questions, right? So my advice is always fall in love with the boredom. Why is that? Because if you truly want to serve the world, you need to be world class at what you do. And there's no other way beyond it. But the only way to be world-class at what you do, Sylvia, as you know, is to do the piece so many times that it becomes autopilot, to use your language. So what I would encourage people instead to do is try and find enjoyment in areas outside of what you're doing, the core piece. So let me give you an example. So one of the pieces I'm thinking about on podcasts right now is how do I change my environment? So in a few months i'm going to invest a few thousand dollars to change my home studio so that's a way of improving the delivery uh maybe something else would be a conversation with an audience so think think about the little details around the piece around the experience and obsess over those details versus going i need to change the piece i'm bored don't set yourself that expectation because if you focus on the boredom and just optimizing what's around it you'll actually be able to make a major impact in the world.
0: So in a sense what you can say you can change the what's around it to create interest for yourself as a creative type. How important is the artist's environment to help them stay
1: pristine? Oh, the environment. I'm sure you can speak on this as well, Silva, but the, the environment is so important, right? And especially on the on the question of the last the last piece you talked about is there's other ways of creating creativity in our lives. We don't necessarily need to do it with that one piece. Oh, I need to change it every single time I perform. No, no, no. We can find creativity in other worlds. I'll give an example today. The first two hours of my day, no one can book me on my calendar. And the reason is because I save that day just to think. So all my mornings, I listen to a podcast. I read a book. I'm reflecting. And I'm coming up with new creative ideas to say, huh, the next time on a podcast with Sylvia, what if I approach this problem that way? What if I communicate that way? So the key here to environment is to try a bunch of things that work for you and what doesn't work for you. And then keep the two or three things that do. Like I don't meditate, but I definitely love listening to personal development every morning.
0: Well, it's like this, I think the most creative types that get the most satisfaction have an expanded frame of reference. And the more that you dig into other subjects of interest while you're focusing on, of course, doing your performance and your professionalism, that broader frame of reference right there brings in a new color, a new interest, and it keeps you inspired. And then suddenly you get these ideas and you say, where did that come from? Well, obviously you've been exposing yourself to new ideas and new expanded awareness, types of information that are kind of outside of what you're doing what's your day thing that you're doing every day now where is your website and what do you do through your website that people can access
1: yeah absolutely sylvia so besides the the youtube channel that everyone can check out which is master talk on youtube if you want free coaching come to one of our free interactive zoom calls every two weeks and you can register that for free at rockstarcommunicator.com okay okay
0: And just before we complete the interview, I'm thinking, stepping back when I was younger myself and having to step up in that concert stage, I'll just tell a little story here. Um, I was speaking to somebody last year about this role of performance, and they had this big hall set up where they had a very low stage. And the low stage was down near the, the, the floor of the hall and they would put the musicians there that were training to become professionals, basically, to perform. And the bigger stage was beside that lower stage, and it was a psychological thing. And what had happened was they'd all go into the corner and they'd do the music there, in that, just that little height of a stage. But then when one musician was asked to go up onto the bigger concert stage, now you had to face the fear. Now, looking at my own story, I do think, though, that there is tools that a person can use such as deep breathing, you know, feel the ground you walk on as you're approaching that higher stage and you're trying to get through that zone of feel the fear and do it anyway. Have you any tools from your experience that you could add to that?
1: Oh, absolutely, there's a bunch. So, so let's let's go through the principle though. So the principle for me, Sylvia, is do the harder thing outside of the, the music business. Do the harder thing outside so everything becomes easier inside. I'll give an example. One easy trick, and I have a couple, is the random word exercise. So the random word exercise is simply this. Pick a random word like phone, like mouse, and create presentations out of thin air. And the reason this is so important for musicians listening to this episode is because if you do something random like avocados, going on a stage should be really easy for you because you've done that for so many years. You already, you're not changing instruments every two days, where right? you're playing the same thing over and over. You're playing the same piece. So it's about getting out of our comfort zone and doing the harder thing. The other piece as well that's important to know is that imposter syndrome, the idea of, oh, is this stage too big for me? Is this place too big for me? Is a skill you develop over time? So the advice I always share on this, Sylvia, is start with the person you're comfortable serving today. So I'm a great example of this. I started coaching CEOs when I was 22, Sylvia. And of course, that sounds cool, but in some cases, it wasn't because people have been working at the company longer than I was alive. So how did I build that confidence up over time? And the trick is I didn't start with them. I started with people who were younger than me, 15, 16 years old. Then I coached people the same age as me. Then I coached managers, seniors. Then I went up to vice presidents, SVPs. And now I coach you know, CEOs. But it was a gradual process. So what I would and say- yeah, I on. would,
0: I would imagine as well that you got a lot of feedback- and you got you learned tools, and you learned a lot of things as you were going up that ladder of increasing your skill.
1: Go ahead. Yeah, no, absolutely. You're, you're absolutely spot on. So to your point, right, the bigger stage, if you're feeling a little bit uncomfortable about it, no worries. Just keep working the smaller stages three, four more times, and then go on another bigger stage. I'm I'm a big fan of easy wins. I don't I don't advocate the big jumps, but what I do advocate is put in the work. To make those small jumps really quickly over time yeah so I, I couldn't easy.
0: agree more i couldn't agree more it starts with small steps now i would say though from my own experience when i was starting out first and i had nobody teaching me tools i had nobody guiding me on how to deal with this you know extreme tension i just self-educated myself on dealing with my breath um being very calm and getting into a quiet space before I would do any form of a presentation do you do something like that in your world
1: yeah, I, I definitely am an advocate for, you know, deep breathing and all of these strategies, but I'm also a fan of thinking about the core problem. So I'll, I'll give you a quick spiel on this, Sylvia. The reason a lot of us are fearful of communication has nothing to do with us. And I'll tell you why. Super simple. All of the presentations we've given our lives, whether it was in school or in corporate, are all mandatory. We don't wake up one morning and say, hey, Sylvia, you want to get breakfast and present all day? Nobody says that. right? Right? And the other two pieces as well is you never get to pick the topic in school. It's never, hey, Sylvia, what do you care about? No, it's Sylvia, I need you to talk about Shakespeare for 20 minutes. And then the third piece is every presentation was tied to a punishment. It's never Sylvia comes up and we cheer her on. It's Sylvia either has to do a good job or you lose 30% of your grade. Hmm. So if we grew up in that type of environment, of course, we're going to see public speaking as a chore. Of The course big elephant. We're...
0: Yeah, the big elephant in right. the room, as it were. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So the yeah.
1: key is to reframe that. Ask ourselves, mm-hmm. how would the world change? How would our lives change? How would our music change if we fell in love with our communication skills and developing? It? So really, you're
0: saying change your perception. Absolutely. Change your perception and do it in small baby steps and build up. And in my world, that's keeping it simple. Yeah, which which probably is the best way when you come into subjects like this. Now, before we complete the interview, I just want to ask you one quick question. What has been your biggest takeaway with your combined experience of everybody you've dealt with in the public speaking realm, looking at musicians and even outside of musicians, even what has been your biggest takeaway?
1: Mm, Powerful question, Sylvia. I would say my biggest takeaway, and it's simple once again, is that really anyone can be a great speaker anybody who wants to be so in my case you know I grew up in Montreal which is a city where you need to speak French and I studied my whole life in French despite struggling with it like everyone's scared of presentations I had to present in a language I didn't know so if I could master communication anyone who's listening to this episode can too
0: very good very good so just keep trying keep at it keep trying don't give up well, it's been a pleasure to have you on And just to repeat your website again It's rockstarcommunicator.com And I think, would you accept younger people Into your bi-weekly call Just to give them a, a go?
1: Everyone is welcome to that call Absolutely, So I'm glad you clarified that
0: Fantastic, fantastic So I would say, listeners If you are a musician, no matter what age you are Tune into this guy's call bi-weekly Because this is how you gain confidence And just learn from others in the process as well Absolutely. So there you are. So thanks very much for your time today.
1: Thank you for your time, Sylvia. Such a pleasure.